you for listening to the Pentecostals of Bossier City Sermon Podcast. For more information, including our live webcast schedules, please visit www.pobc.cc. Chapter 1. I'm starting with verse number 13. We do want to welcome every single guest that's present here today. Thank you for visiting here. But I pray that you're not a visitor. I pray that this is your introduction. And I pray that you start walking through these doors and finding something new in the spirit every single time. We're praying that God touches you today. Thank you so much for honoring us with your presence. And I've got to say before I get started, yes, happy birthday, Pastor. Happy birthday, Dad. He's a young 65, amen? Amen. And my brother and sister-in-law and my nephew and niece, yeah, he said that they're here today, but it's also my brother's birthday tomorrow. Amen. Don't worry, Jeremy, I'm not going to make him sing happy birthday to you. Luke 1 and 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Today I'm speaking on this subject, made for this. Everybody say made for this. Say I was made for this. Jesus, be with us this morning. We're asking for your anointing, your power, and your clear voice to go forth. Help it to touch our hearts and to set the course of our lives always in your word and in your will. And if the people would say in Jesus' name, you may be seated. In this passage, the man who would be John the Baptist was nothing more than a sentence uttered by the angel Gabriel, a prophecy that was given and a clearly defined purpose, even before he was a child. And I, in my mind, I'm sure that all of his life, his parents had to tell him the story of the announcement of his forcoming birth. They had to tell him the story that we were unable to have children. They had to tell him the story that there was an angel that spoke to your father and said, you're going to have a son, and you're going to name him John. And I'm sure they told him the story of how the angel closed, John's, or closed Zechariah's mouth because he did not believe the report as it was first given. And how his tongue was once again loose and open when he delivered the name of that baby boy, that John, who would be known as John the Baptist. His parents had to tell him. And I'm sure that he had to walk every single day with that knowledge just kind of being reiterated to him time and time again. You're special. You were crafted and created for a purpose. They had to tell John, you're not like everybody else. God made you for a purpose. It was specific. You're going to lead people to a place of repentance to prepare the way for the Lord. John had this message, I'm sure of it, his entire life. You were made for what is to come. God chose you. God needs you. 
It's like Jeremiah who was told by God, when you were in your mother's womb, I already knew you. I knew you. And I made you a prophet before he cried for the very first time. Before he was crawling. Before he was speaking. God said, I knew who you were. And I made you for this. There was a purpose that was laid out. There's a purpose that's also laid out for you and for me. And despite our very best efforts to get away from it, we are created with that purpose in mind. And we are exactly who we are for a reason. There's a reason that you are the way that you are. Whether you're shy, whether you're loud, whether you're the life of the party, whether you're the wallflower. God made you like this for a reason. He made you for a purpose. You see it in nature itself. Some of you hunters out there, you might be aware of some of this. But the duck is a unique creature in that it secretes an oil that coats its feathers and actually makes it kind of waterproof. And even these feathers have these barbs that hook together and trap air inside of, of one another. And it makes it buoyant. And so it's able to float on top of the water. It's just a really cool way of this happening. So the duck was made to float. He was made also with wings to fly. He was made with feet to walk and to paddle. Not so much for elegant running, but you, you understand. He was made to float, to fly, and to walk. And some of you here today were apparently made to blast these majestic creatures from the sky. And you already knew this because you had to know your enemy. Because look at the face of your enemy. Look at those demonic red eyes. You understand that he was created for a purpose. And you see it in his very design. You see it in the way that he operates. You see it. Even in the way he communicates, you can, you can recognize the type, the gender even, by, by its quack, by the noise that comes forth. It was created specifically for a purpose. You see, the, there's, another, there's another animal. I had, to, I had to call this list because there's some crazy animals out there with some crazy traits. But the giraffe is a strange animal. We get used to the giraffe because you see him in children's books. You see it in the zoo. You see it walking around and you see it eating peanuts from children's hands, and it's disgusting because its tongue is like a snake, and it, 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 it's dark, and it's almost like this purplish-black color. But we get used to giraffes. This is a weird creature. It has a neck that is seven feet long. Its heart has to pump twice as hard as a cow's just to get the blood all the way up to its brain. In its legs, the skin has to be wrapped so tightly around its lower legs because if it's not, the blood will start to pool at the bottom near its hooves. This, this creature was created to reach the food that the other animals cannot reach. To take part in this ecosystem, to kind of go around and eat what the others cannot eat. And that long black tongue, why is it a black tongue? Have you ever wondered that? Why, why is a giraffe's tongue dark? It's because in the, in the environment that it lives, the sun is always so hot and beating down and shining directly on it. And it's so high above everything else that its tongue is black so that it does not get sunburned. Because it eats so often with its tongue and uses it so often in the open, in the open uh, sun. So it, it's black so it keeps it from getting sunburned. There are amazing things about these creatures 
that point that something about its design was made for that environment. Something about its design was crafted for this place. And forgive me, but it's too much of a coincidence that so many thousands upon thousands of species fit so perfectly within their environment. It cannot be an accident. It can't. We try to rationalize it and make it seem like a coincidence that just had to take a really long amount of time. But every single one of these animals, they're, they're built in with not only these characteristics, but these instincts. It's the instinct for the humpback whale to, to migrate as much as 5,000 kilometers per year towards its feeding grounds and then back to its birthing grounds. It's the instinct that causes sea turtles to use the magnetic force, the, the magnetic field of the earth to help it direct itself to the very beach at which it was born in which it crawled into the ocean. It's that instinct that causes elements to fl elephants to flee to the top of the mountain as it prepares for a tsunami that humans are still an hour away from knowing even is going to happen. It's instincts that leads you to see a design of these creatures that is made for existence, for a purpose, for a distinct purpose. And within the human spirit, there is an instinct within us all to gravitate towards something that we look up towards, something that we have to look up to. But still, for some reason, our flesh, it pushes back against the idea that there is a God to whom we belong. There's a man named Roger Penrose. He's a mathematical physicist at the University of Oxford. He happens to be an atheist, and he calculated the likelihood for the existence of our universe to be one part in 10 to the power of 10 to the power of 123. I have no idea what that means. I, I'm not even good at solving for X. I had that realization the other day when we're thinking about how to help our sons with their homework. My mind went to high school. I have no idea how I'm going to reintroduce my brain to algebra. So I don't, I don't, who here has solved for X in the past 10 days? <laughs> Only, oh, we have a few, there we go. My mind's not really made for math. That's, that's not the purpose that God designed me for, I guess. But he, th this Roger Penrose said, he kind of explained it further. That number that I just quoted you is a number which would be impossible to write out in a usual decimal way because even if you were able to put a zero on every particle in the universe, there would not be enough particles to do the job. And yet, even in the face of that kind of odds, he still chooses within his heart to say, there is no God. And the scripture says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. He's more comfortable that way because there's a pushback in his spirit. But there was another Oxford professor who looked at it a little differently. And he said this, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for these desires exists. A baby feels hunger. There is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. There is such a thing as water. And if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And so there's this pull in our hearts that despite our very best of efforts, it, let us, it lets us know, like in Colossians 1 and 16, for by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. We were made for this. We were made for this. We were made for this. And we were made to lift up a voice that for some reason he takes pleasure when we cry out and say, God, I need you more than I need anything else that this world could offer me. For some reason, for some reason he delights in these praises, these gifts, these offerings. In this sacrifice of a life that we lay down at his altar every single day, for some reason, he made us for this. He made us for his desires. He made us for his purpose. And when we get away from that purpose, and we try to find these other desires, right, brother? And we try to find these other desires that's going to fill that God-shaped hole within our hearts. There is nothing else that fits. We were made for this. We were made to worship him. If you would clap your hands and love on Jesus just a little bit. Ephesians 2 and 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were made for this. He crafted you. He designed you. He planned for you to be in a place like this, with people like this, at a moment like this, with an opportunity to offer yourself in the purpose that you were crafted to fulfill. I'll say it again, there is a God-shaped hole within us all. And try as we might, and we might try for years, we might try for a lifetime, there is nothing else that will fill it. There is nothing that can actually make us overcome that reality that there is a voice in the back of our minds, somewhere within our hearts, that we cannot reason away. It is saying, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We were made for this. A person who does not worship God is like a rooster that will not crow, like an eagle that will not fly, like a dolphin that will not swim, like a lion that will not hunt. We were made for this. That desire to worship is so strong that even if we don't worship God, we will find something else to worship. We will find something else to put in its place. And it's not just for those who have not yet found the peace that God brings through His Spirit and through His will. The Hebrew people sat and waited at the foot of the mountain as Moses talked to God. And because they were waiting for Him to talk to God, waiting for Him, waiting for the preacher to do the work, to do the communicating to God, talking to God, because they waited for Him, Instead of talking to God themselves, they, they found their hands idle and they took their jewelry, their jewelry, they took everything that they had and they threw it together and they crafted an idol. If you don't worship God, you will find something to look up to. And so often, that something is something that we create out of our own possessions. 
our own ideas, our own notions about how we want things to be. But I was not made to worship anything in this world. I was made to worship something that rests in heaven. We were made for this. We will worship our finances. We will worship our careers. We will worship our own bodies. We will worship our material possessions, our favorite sports teams, our celebrity crushes, even our favorite politicians. We will set on a pedestal so high, somehow they become equal with God in our own minds. And I'm not trying to insult anybody in this place at all. But last November, God did not suddenly have orange wavy hair and he wasn't wearing a pantsuit. But all we could talk about were these two individuals. What we liked, what we disliked. And meanwhile, God took a back seat for a few weeks as our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram was filled with a message that we thought would preach. But the message that needs to resound higher and louder than any other is one that we have to blast clearly to this world. We were made for a purpose. And that purpose is to worship a God that saves, a God that loves, and a God that heals today just as he did 2,000 years ago. We were made for this. We will set these idols up in high places just as Israel did in the Old Testament. But God wants there to be a King Josiah who will rise up in these last days and command that every temple set up in a high place be torn down and in their place worship and sacrifice to the God above every other God. We were made for this. We were made for his pleasure. The tragedy of every single war is that there is a sacrifice that has to be made. The tragedy of every war is that we send our young men and women with the very real possibility that they will die away from home. And we give so much honor to our soldiers here in the United States. And I give honor to them right now. Every retiree, every currently serving member of the armed forces, I give honor to you right now. You give honor where honor is due. I love our armed forces. But the tragedy that always comes up in every single conflict, we start counting the cost of the lives of the soldiers who fought for their country. We give honor to them. And I don't know how anybody can view Arlington National Cemetery and not be moved by what they see when they look across that field where some... Some 400,000 bodies are laid beneath the ground and counting. They're expanding for another 100,000 because there's a cost to war. There is a cost to battle. There is a cost. And you see the faces of the ones who were slain. You see the faces of the ones who die in armed conflict. And our heart goes out immediately to their families. And so many times... You, you hear the families talk about their, their fallen son or daughter. You hear them talk about the slain. And you hear them a lot of times say, they died for the country that they love. They died for a purpose. They died. And for some reason, we can make, it, make sense in our minds that there was a reason for it. How many had to die 
to stop the insanity of one man in the middle of the last century? How many had to die in order to stop this tyrant? It was a cost. But I think as we look back, we wish that we could, could have done some things differently, but we accept that there had to be a cost. We look at the numbers. We add them up. And so many say, what a tragedy. But when the mission is just, it is a price that we're willing to pay. Nathan Hale was the American spy who died in the service of the Continental Army, whose last words were made so famous before he was hung by the, by the British for treason. It's echoed throughout history. He said, my only regret is that I have but one life to lose for my country. Because Nathan Hale made the determination that he was born for this. It might seem like it was too high of a cost, but he was born he was made for this. Right now, there might be somebody here who is wondering, I don't know if I want to give every part of my heart for this. The things that I hold on to, I don't know if I can give them up for this. The questions that you might have, I don't know if I can give it up for this. The doubts that creep in time and time again. When we're faced either with questions, with sickness, with circumstance, with tragedy. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if it's worth it. But the answer is always the same. The answer is yes. Because I was made for this. In John 11, Jesus was with his disciples. And they were headed... To see his friends. And Mary and Martha sent a message to him and said, Lazarus is sick. He is dying. You have to come right now. And Jesus waited. And he delayed. And then finally, as he made his way to Bethany, Mary rushed out before the others who were mourning. And she, she's crying and she's weeping. She's saying, you're too late. He's dead. He is gone. And in John 11 and 4, it says, When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified through it. Lazarus' sickness killed him. You and I were born sick, born into sin and shaped in iniquity. Born with a sickness. Jesus, if you would only come quicker, my brother would still be alive. Jesus saw it. And if you've ever doubted the compassion of Jesus Christ, understand that he wept in that moment over the death of the friend who he knew he was about to raise. But he wept. And he stepped up to that tomb. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus steps out of that tomb with the bandages all around him, looking like a mummy. Walks out. And everybody suddenly realizes this was the plan all along. 
Lazarus was made for this. Lazarus was made to die. He was made to die so that the glory of God might go forth. We see Lazarus once again. And he's there with his sisters. And he's dining with Jesus. And there was a plot that went forth to kill him. And the reason they wanted to kill him was because his miracle, his testimony, his death, and his resurrection into the purpose that he was to fulfill is what turned the heart, it says, of many of the Jews towards God. You and I were made to die. We were made for this. The point is not only that Jesus has the power over death and hell, which he does. The point is that Lazarus was born to die. 1 Peter 2 and 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. We were born for this. We were born to die. We were born to be buried in the water in baptism and to be baptized in his spirit. We were born to have a hope that is so far beyond this world. And so often, if you'd stand with me this morning, so often we get so confused about it. And we say, God, I'm twisted and I'm turned about. Where are you right now? God is not without compassion. He's not without empathy. But his purpose, it might be a little difficult to see. You and I have a God-shaped hole within us all. If you've walked in here today and it's your first, second, third time and you're still trying to figure this out, let me tell you this right now. You look in the book of Acts. You look at Acts 2, 10, 19. You look at what the early church carried out and it never says in the Bible anywhere that it was ever meant to stop. Contrary to what people rationalize and try to say and try to look at and construct, we're supposed to be filled with that same experience. If you have not been baptized in the saving name of Jesus, you were born for this. If you have not been filled with the Holy Ghost, you were born for this. And today, if that is where you are, I'm asking that you would pray today because I promise you, God wants it for you so desperately. He made you for this. But Pentecostal, you might have been here for 40 years. Don't forget what we were made for. We were made to go out and to make disciples of the entire world. To baptize them in that saving name. And to bring them to the foot of the cross. We were made to lift our hands and to shout and to worship and to sing and to clap and to praise and to dance. And he gave us all the instruments with which we can fulfill that very purpose. You were made for this. And somebody right now needs to make up in their mind that they are willing to die today. They're willing to die every single day. 
Die to this flesh. Die to this purpose that the world has lied to you and said, this is what you were made for. I rebuke that message in the name of Jesus. Because there is a purpose that is so much higher. Not just better, but you're crafted by the one who knows exactly what is going to bring you the fulfillment, the purpose, the peace, the desires of your heart. He knows it better than us. We were born for this. If you need to die today, whether for the first time or the 5,000th, would you come to the front? Would you raise your hands? And when you start calling out to God with the rest of us this morning, saying, God, I know what I was made for. Let your spirit flow on us today, God. Start to call out with me right now, church. God, I cannot do this on my own. Jesus, I know myself. And I'm nothing without you. I'm not good enough without you. I'm not smart enough without you. I'm not pure enough without you, Jesus. I need your blood to wash away every stain, every sin, every thought, every deed, every memory. Somebody start to cry out with me this morning. This is what I'm talking about. It is a conscious decision for us to die daily. And right now, God is wanting desperately to hear the praises of somebody who hasn't died in a very long time. Father, start to do something within us right now. Somebody start to cry out. We're not doing it, church. He's not hearing it yet, church. We weren't born for five-minute altar calls. We were born for the Spirit of God to work over this place right now and to change the heart of somebody who is broken, who is damaged, who is complacent, who is resentful. If you're waiting for the lyrics, they're not coming yet. God is wanting to hear the desperate cry of somebody this morning. There are healings that need to take place this morning. Somebody needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost this morning. And we need to pray and let the throne room of heaven be shaken with the sound of our voices that says, God, help me right now. Apostolic, do you have it within you? God's waiting on somebody to confess I was born for more than I'm giving myself credit for. I was not born to walk in to cross my arms and to wait for, for the excuse to walk out. I was born to call out unto a God that I desperately need. Where is your voice, apostolic? God's waiting on somebody to cry out.
If the entire church could sing it with their loud voice this morning. Would every hand in this place be raised for a moment? It is our resistance to God's will. Sometimes it says healing cannot come. Or maybe it won't come. That a life can... Maybe it can't be changed. Maybe the heart cannot be turned towards Him. But it is the Spirit of God that can do all things. We have people in this place that need healing. 
We were made for this. We were made to pray a prayer without doubt, without fear. So if we'd sing it one more time, sing it to the top of your lungs, and you pray in your spirit as you sing, and you say, God, whatever need, fulfill it today. Everybody just love Jesus for a moment. might feel that I'm prolonging this artificially but there's something in the back of my spirit that says that God is actually waiting for somebody still right now I'm sorry I don't I don't feel released just yet I know that a lot of you are ready to go I understand I understand I've been there I get it but God is still waiting on somebody to say Jesus I find myself at a point right now and I've forgotten that I was made for this purpose. I was made to pray without doubt. I was made to lift my voice, to lift my life to you without inhibition. God just wants to hear somebody talk to him for a few more moments. And he wants to feel that heart longing for him again. If you want something fresh from God, would you one more time just push in your spirit? And say, God, I'm tired. It's Sunday. This is a long week. I'm tired, but I need you still. And I need you more than ever right now. I need thee. I need thee, God.
tonight pastor's preaching his 65th birthday message. We believe that God has something that is laid upon his heart. So tonight when we come in and we begin to worship and the Spirit of God starts to move through this place and you feel that familiar glow, that familiar warmth, that presence that makes everything seem right. When we come in and we, we do what we're made for, I want you to bask in the presence of God and I want that thought to cross your mind and I want you to say it out loud. This is what I was made for. I was made for this. I was made to die in your presence. Look somebody directly in the eyes before you leave today. At least one person. Look them right in the eye and say, I was made for this. And then say, you were made for this. Don't shrug it off. Carry this with you tonight. You're blessed, you're dismissed in the fear of the Lord. But walk in tonight remembering what we were made for.